This Seattle Medium podcast is sponsored by the Port of Seattle. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. Choose 180, a local nonprofit organization, has a new CEO. And with us this morning to talk about the organization and our new position is Nick Payne, the new CEO of Choose 180. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good. I can't complain. <laughs> uh, there we go. <laughs> First, uh, for those in our listening audience who might not be aware, can you tell us about Choose 180 and the work that you all do in the community? Yeah, absolutely. So Choose 180 is a local nonprofit organization based out of Berrien, Washington, uh, founded in, I believe, 2011. And really what we do is we lean into advocating for alternatives to the juvenile criminal legal system and support for the young people who are often impacted by it. Uh, the way we do our work is by partnering, right? Partnering with and educating community leaders, prosecuting attorneys, judges, school districts, and communities to really transform the harm that these systems perpetuate into healing opportunities. Uh, and equally important, we build relationships with our young folks to find out what their needs and goals are. And, and then we really connect them with the programs that best serve them. And that can range from uh, school-based diversion to counseling to gun violence and several other of our programs that we offer. Right. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about your uh, background because you, I mean, you are very new to Choose 1A, I think maybe even just a few weeks into the position. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your background and what uh, drew you to Choose 180? Yeah, yeah. So I'm definitely the rookie on the crew, <laughs> but that's okay because we move in. Um, you know, it's always interesting, Chris. For some reason, this is always a tricky question because it's like, tell me about yourself and I forget who I am. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> a little about me, you know, I'd say I have a pretty well-versed background in community-based organizations you know, the operational component to that, people-centered services, and the legal system. And so I began my career as a paralegal, working with individuals who have been historically oppressed to navigate the legal system and really over overcome, you know, these adversities and hiccups. I mean, honestly, this is where I really came to realize just how strained the relationship between processes, systems, and people really was. You know, I realized, dang, it really shouldn't be this hard to really establish a safety net and position um, our folks, our community to thrive, you know. And so from there, I, I wanted to really dedicate my professional and, and personal journey to dismantling that as much as I could with whatever power I had. Um, you know, I've had the honor of working for various uh, organizations, both in the nonprofit sector and then most recently in the government sector to really focus on pathways for, for individuals navigating the complexities of these rigid processes and unjust systems, um, again, both internally and within the scope of direct services. And so 
you know, what drew me to choose 180 was really on a personal note. Um, you know, I've encountered the juvenile legal system twice in my life, once at the age of 11 and again at the age of 16. And, you know, truth be told, both of those, both times, it was the same experience, pushed through a rushed and inequitable system, no resources to educate me or my family in and through the process. And ultimately, it left me, you know, with the stained narrative of Nika's a bad kid. Um, and so, you know, that created a chip on my shoulder, and that chip has truly become the biggest asset in my life. And so when I think about what drew me to Choose 180, I mean, Choose 180 is committed to undoing those types of narratives, you know, committed to transforming these systems. And so when there's an opportunity to come along, I was both humbled, hungry, um, and excited to, to jump on in. Right. And uh, because let's talk about uh, some areas that you would like to expand or concentrate on uh, in the upcoming year with Choose 180. Yeah, I mean, this, this is a great question because, you know, the short answer is so many things, right? Um, and that's my, that's my excitement talking. That's my day nine excitement talking. But, you know, there are really a few things that come, that come to mind. So in the coming year, we're, we're really, um, we're concentrating on activating our community through education. And so, you know, our vision is that we can move away from criminalizing young people, right, and move towards restorative practices. But to do that, we have to engage as a collective in a deeper understanding of these historically oppressed systems, the impact it has on our young people, specifically black and brown, um, the school to prison pipeline, restorative justice approaches. And so in doing that, engaging, right, in that knowledge, um, we're going to give ourselves and our community an abundance of knowledge. And I, and I mean, not to sound cliche, but knowledge is power, right? Knowledge fuels us to action. And action as a collective, I mean, that's something to watch for because we're going to be cooking with grease. Um, the, the second area I think I'm, I'm really excited about, and I think this is just on a personal note, um, but I'm really excited to concentrate and even maybe perhaps expand um, is our mental health for our young people who are navigating these systems or plugged into one of our programs. You know, there are some harmful stigmas around black and brown youth who are engaging in mental health practices. And so I am truly looking forward to working with our expressive arts and counseling team to, you know, one, break down those stigmas, right? And two, continue to equip our young people with the additional tools to navigate those traumas and express themselves, you know, in a way that's healthy for them. Mm. You know, and Nika, let's talk a little bit, because you just mentioned the school to prison pipeline. Let's talk about that a little bit, because, uh, the numbers speak volumes as it relates to the plight of our young people. When you talk about suspension and expulsion rates and the number of juveniles in the criminal justice system today, you know, how important is it for us to have intervention and prevention measures in place, especially for young black men and young black women? Oh, yeah. I mean, Chris, it's critical. I mean, truly, it's critical that we do. Um, the school-to-prison pipeline, I mean, it's a huge issue. It's been an issue, um, and this is all the more reason why, right, why we need to um, really lean into uh, education, right? Um, it's a huge issue, though, especially for our BIPOC students. You know, just to provide kind of a quick glimpse for you, um, the, the, the Southern uh, Poverty Law Center just reported that black students are four times more likely to be suspended than their white peers. Four times. I mean, those numbers, those are tough to see, but they're true numbers. Um, you know, police officers and security personnel 
they're placed in schools and often they're upholding discriminatory discriminatory practices and um, those practices target BIPOC students and then what ends up happening is they funnel them out of the school and into the criminal legal system and so it's critical to disrupt that pipeline and support young people to really stay in school and remain engaged um, our school-based diversion team serves young people in about, I want to say, 10, um, I'm new, so, but 10, I believe it's 10 different middle and high schools in the High Line in Seattle public school system to really provide resources and support to keep them engaged and thriving in schools. Um, our teams meet with students in their schools, um, so meeting them where they are to identify their needs, build relationships, set some goals, work on communication and conflict resolution skills and connect them with resources. And you know, if, if we're seeing that our students, our young people need more support, you know, we, we have multiple ways that they can participate in our after care program, which provides more resources and support, or even, you know, going back to that, that um, mental health component, our counseling program, where we have expressive arts uh, therapy um, and talk therapy. So, I mean, to answer your question, it's critical. It's critical that we do. Right. And, Nika, you, you talked about resources being available. I mean, you know, we all know that there aren't enough resources out there, but there are resources that are available in a number of different sectors um, when it comes to um, what needs the needs that the particular young men and young women need in order to help them navigate uh, the system or systems that they are tied mm-hmm. to. Can you talk a little bit about um, the resources and and really being able to connect uh, the young men and young women with these, with these resources and what that really means to their growth and their plight as opposed to not, you know, sometimes people can kind of be in denial and say, oh, they're just young and they'll work through it or they'll grow out of it. Well, sometimes they need a little help doing that. Can you kind of talk about that just a little bit? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the thing about it too, Chris, is, Sometimes it's like these resources are available, but it's not necessary. It's having that access to it, right? And that we can boil that back down to equity, right? Accessibility. It's more than just knowing that they're there, but it's also ensuring that there's a pathway to retrieve them and sustain those resources. And so some of the things that through, through our programs and even in connecting with our community that we're able to really wrap support around for our young people, I mean, it really varies, right? But to give you an example is housing, Right. I mean, we know housing is a basic need and um, and oftentimes absent housing, absent that stability. Right. That's going to that's difficult to maintain and, and, and engage in um, education, for example, or engage in healthy behaviors. Another example that, you know, is, is that job chain, that vocational services. Right. Again, going back to that stability. And so through our programs, we're able to um, specifically specifically like our aftercare program. Um, we really partner with our community to, to really identify what do y'all need? What do you need as a young person, whether it's you or by extension your family, right? Because that's a safety network. That, that's a safety net. And equally important as taking care of our young people, we also have to think about their safety net, their families as well. Okay? Because oftentimes those things linked, they go hand in hand. And so um, those are just a few examples um, of, you know, the, the things that we can provide to our young people through our programs, through our community. Um, a, a couple other kind of things that we have is our summer inter- internship program um, where we, you know, for our young people who are seeking, again, right, going back to um, workforce skills, right, we have our summer internship 
for young people to come in, participate, learn about business and professionalism, you know, just a different way to really enhance their skills um, and really gain something and really learn from our local community leaders, our entrepreneurs, um, and identify, you know, their, their goals that they want to set out to, to again, lean into their professional um, journey or lean into their career interests. And so when we talk about resources, when we talk about, when we talk about what we could do for our young people, those are just a few examples, right? The housing, the job training, just to provide a few. Right. And, uh, let's talk a little bit about the team that you all have in place. And I know uh, you're very new to the position, but I think it's important to note that Choose 180 is just not one or a handful of uh, people doing this work. You actually have a team and infrastructure behind what you all are doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, heck, yeah. So shout out to the crew. Always, always shout out to the crew. Um, we have about 30 team members, I want to say, and 12 board members are truly immersed in the work of Choose 180. You know, um, with that, we intentionally hire diverse team members with lived experience related to what our young people are facing. Um, That's critical. That is really critical to ensure that we have staff members that truly, at the end of the day, they get it. They've navigated these same systems. They've navigated the same inequities. Um, And that, that, that right there when we talk about building relationships, like that's key. That's going to also build trust in that relationship. And at the end of the day, our young people need that kind of, they need that anchor. Um, we also partner with systems, right? So schools, jails, prosecuting attorneys, um, to really offer restorative support programs in the community to serve our people. You know, we can't always be looking at, not always, we shouldn't be looking at punitive measures and really need to undo that narrative, period, um, and really start having more of kind of that, that healing process. And we also partner with our community organizations to share resources, kind of, you know, what I mentioned earlier, right? Um, we refer those young folks to other experts in this field, going back to housing or job training, you know, um, education, what, whatever that looks like. And so when we look at it that way, we have a team in-house, right? We have our, our crew, um, we have our board, but we also have our community and our partners um, and they're all really striving for transformation and support for our young people. Right. And, uh, Nick, I want to thank you for joining us on today's show. Before I let you go, you know, how can people find out more, get involved, or support the efforts of your organization? Oh, absolutely. This is one of my favorite ever questions where people are like, how can I know more? You know, because, again, knowledge is power, right? Um, so folks can check out our website at choose180.org, and that's, C-H-O-O-S-E-1-8-0 dot O-R-G. And the website is also with Spanish translation and accessibility features uh, for those who may need that. But, yeah, so check out our website. Folks can support through giving. Uh, folks can also subscribe to our monthly e-newsletter through our website where we um, we have a phenomenal comms team that is making sure, you know, our, our community, our people have the information right now. We're very um, – you know, it's advocacy, it's legislative sessions, so there's a lot of good stuff there. Um, and then follow us on social media. It's really stay up, updated um, on our programs and opportunities to, to get involved. There's always an opportunity to, to get involved, or at minimum, just learn more. So I definitely start with the website. All right. And, Nick, I, did, I have one more question for you. Uh, for somebody in our listening audience um, who might have a young person that they're working with, that they're related to, that's in their household, who they feel might need a little bit of support, you know, uh, what is the process, if there's a process, 
to maybe get them involved with some of your programs? Is it referral based through the, through the schools? Do you guys get direct referrals? You know, how does that work? Yeah. Yes, all of the above, Chris. So we, we definitely want to take referrals. Um, we have a referral form. Excuse me. We have a referral form. Um, so if folks are, are interested, they have a if they have a young person um, that they're working with and they need to connect them to our services, we're, we're always here to, to to you know have have folks connect. And so um, the the fastest way for that is would be to have folks go to our website. On our website, there's a community referral form. Um, and folks can fill out that form. We have an amazing crew, uh, amazing workshop coordinator that, that's on standby, ready to connect with folks. And so um, definitely by navigating to our website, um, by, by any which way, we, you know, we can get connected, we can tap in and uh, wrap some support around that young person, community, family member, whomever is really looking, looking to, to get involved or need more, more answers or, or questions or have questions. All right. I want to thank you for joining us on today's show. Congratulations on your new position with Shoes 180. And I wish you and your colleagues all the best in the work that you guys are doing here in the community and in all your future endeavors. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it, man. Happy Friday.